0: Hey, family, this is Javera Fitzbogle, and I am the creative director of the Detox Movement Global Ministries, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that it blesses you. We hope that it challenges you, and we hope that it encourages you to see that God is moving in your life. So come grow with us and enjoy the message. How's everybody doing? Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's good? What's good? Where's all the smiles at? What's going on, family? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Who's here? Let me see who's in here. We got Rebecca in here. What's happening, Rebecca? What's going on, Rhea, Chaz? What's happening, Alex? How you doing? What's up, Alex? Pastor Paul is in the house. Welcome, Tammy. Welcome, Aaliyah. What's going on, Jocelyn? How you doing? Niamba came through. What's up, Niamh? Welcome. It's good to see you guys. Javante, welcome. Christina, what's up? What's up? Chantel, guys, welcome. It's so good to see you guys, man. Sorry about the uh the time. Uh, we actually were having some technical difficulties trying to uh get people in. Um, please let me know if, if you had a hard time trying to get into the, the to the group chat today, um, as far as you know, if you needed a passcode or if you didn't need a passcode or whatever the case is, we definitely want to rectify that issue. Um, there was a bunch of people that are having a hard time getting in, um, and we just want to make sure that there's always a seamless transition. But welcome, guys. Man, nobody's faces are, everybody can, like hiding their faces today. It's going no good to see y'all, man. Listen, tell me, I want to know how you guys are doing today. If you could do me the biggest favor and put in the comment section, you know what I'm about to say, one word or one emoji to describe how you're feeling today. I want to know how everybody's feeling. Tell me, guys, how are you feeling? How is everybody feeling? Jump in there. Oh, we got refreshed. Niambi's probably turning up somewhere because she got the party hat. Okay, Christina's like, oh, today, today. oh, man, I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh, Christina, we gonna, we gonna pray for you. Oh, we got some love in here. LeBron James, LeBron James. Listen, now, I don't know if y'all know, but I'm a Laker fan, you know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a, real, I'm a real diehard Laker fan, man, and I'll tell you, that is probably, listen, I don't know. I just, uh, you know what? I feel like God is with the Lakers. I, I really do. I, if, if if God has a team, a basketball team of choice, I'm telling you right now, it is the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, you know what? I'm sorry, you know, all y'all from Miami, you know what I'm saying, y'all other parts of the world, God bless you. I believe there's salvation in store for you. But when it comes all to the Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers, I'm telling you right now, God is with this organization. Uh, In season and out of season. And I'll tell you, I love it. I'm a fan. So you guys don't know, I I live in Los Angeles and I was, I was elated. Let's put it like that. I was literally having a field day. Uh, I was outside there turning up and it was great. Um, But I encourage you guys, man, to celebrate during the season, but celebrate safely. um, I know God is doing some amazing things um, with that. Um, But we are a little bit behind schedule, so I want to jump right into the word. But first, I just want to welcome you guys for coming. If it is your first time, welcome. Uh, My name is I'm the creative director of the Detox Movement Global Ministries. um, And this is our Bible study. We come together every single week to study God's word, to dive into God's word. Um, and I just pray that this this will become a place of substance for you guys so that you can take something home and grow and increase in wisdom and knowledge and favor with God. Um, so what we're going to do, we're going to jump right into this word here, and um, we're going to explore. Now, if you guys don't know, we're in our series. And if y'all know the series, you're going to get it right now. We're in a series called In the Trenches. Now, let me tell y'all, man, this series has been blessing my life. He has literally been taking me from one place to another. Um, it's really encouraged me in some hard seasons and some hard um, hard points in time. But I'll tell you, God is doing an amazing work. Um, I believe that he's building us up through this message, that he's changing the narrative and what it means to be in the trenches. Last week, we talked about a message entitled, Can You Dig It? Part 2. Y'all, if you was blessed by that message... Can you Look, put in the comment section how you feel. If you were here last week and it blessed you, I want to know how that made you feel. Because let me tell you all something. I was, I was lit. I had to go back home and listen to it, man. And when I tell you, God really began to just deal with me and speak to me in private um, about that lesson. I'll tell you, it was uplifting. It was encouraging me. And I'm so excited for today. Um, now, today actually is our fourth week in our series entitled In the Trenches. And today I'm so excited to really dive into God's word and explore um, scripture with you guys today. So if you have your Bibles, take your Bibles out, pull it out, whether it's your virtual, your digital, your your memory bot, whatever you got, man, pull your word out. We're going to dive into 2 Kings, not 1 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 3. And we're going to start our reading, uh, 2 Kings chapter 3. Um, we're going to start reading from verse 13 to about verse 20. Um, and this is a powerful, very powerful scripture. I know a lot of people are familiar with this. So I'll try my best to kind of paint some context and give us a place to where we can really kind of pull out and rebound from and, and just grow in what this lesson is about, what it means, and what, it, what God is trying to get us to understand here today. And so I'm so excited. So we're going to dive in here. 2 Kings chapter 3. We're going to read from verse 13, if you're there with me, to verse 20. All right, now guys, I'm going to be reading from the King James Version. I know some of you don't like King James, but let me tell you something. The King James got all the meat in it. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all don't like to cook because y'all don't want to deal with the meat. Y'all really want that skin peel for you. But I'm telling you, the meat of scripture can be found always in the King James. So we're going to read from King James today. I do my best to kind of um, bring it into like urban diction for you guys. Um, and hopefully we can go from glory to glory in Jesus name. So 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 13, it says, And Elijah said unto the king of Israel, Elijah the prophet, he says, What have I to do with you? Uh, get thee to the prophets of thy father and to the prophets of your mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord had called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Mm. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I had regarded the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look, I would not even pay you guys any attention or any mind. Hmm. Verse 15, but now bring to me a menstrual. And it came to pass when the menstrual played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, and he said, thus said the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus said the Lord, you shall see the wind, neither shall you see the rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water that you may drink. Yet both, both of you and your cattle and your beasts and this, but the, but the light thing of the Lord, this will be in slight of his ability. He will deliver you the Mohabs and the Moabites into your hand and you shall smite every fence, every city, every city of choice or choice city and shall fall every single good tree in the land and stop up wells of water, and mar every good piece of the land with stones. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, in the name of Jesus for another day and another opportunity to dive into your word and your scripture. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would dwell amongst us in this conversation that we will be able to dive into your word and and, and just reap out the biblical truth and understanding of your scripture. Father, reveal to us today your daily agenda. Reveal to us your word that we may be able to understand and receive from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys. So today we're going to be talking about a teaching entitled Digging Ditches. Y'all title that, write it down. We dig in ditches. Now y'all know we've been in the trenches for quite some time. We've been studying scriptures together. We've been growing in the word of God together. We've been trying to understand and change the narrative of what it means to be in the trenches. We've been diving into the context of scripture. And now we're in a place where we're like, God, he's now shifting our perspective of what the trenches are and what the trenches mean. Now we need to understand why we're there and what we are supposed to do. Now, let's all keep it 100. Being in the trenches is not a comfortable place to be. But let me tell you something, as we've illustrated from day to day to day, that God has done some of the greatest things in our lives while we are in the trenches. And today's title is taught, excuse me, today's lesson or title is phrased, digging ditches. Because we all have a responsibility to (laughs) dig ditches in the position that we're in. Mm. Write that down. My responsibility is to dig my own ditch. Mm, mm, mm. See, some of y'all are so busy getting out of the place that God has you in that you fail to realize that there's something that God may want you to do in the place that you are in. So let's jump into understanding now the context in Scripture. But first, I want to talk to you about capacity. Now, capacity is such a powerful term as it relates to scripture because God transcends capacity. Write that down. God transcends capacity. Capacity, truthfully, it deals with the context or or the idea of limitations, but God does not. And so capacity deals with limitations, but God is limitless. Wow. Capacity is How do I say this? An idea, or it's a it's a it's it's something that's used to measure. Usually the context of of, or the the unit that we use to measure capacity is volume. We measure capacity in volume because capacity is how much you can take on, how much can you handle? How much can you do? How much can you burden? How much can you shelter? How much can you get into? How much can you get out of? Capacity is a measurement of how much you see god has no capacity and this is because god cannot be measured write that down god has no capacity because god cannot be measured now one of the most difficult things that jesus had to articulate in scripture was when he was asked well jesus who are you our people who sent me want to know who you are so 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 you want to tell me who you are and jesus was confronted with a very difficult question. Who do I tell them that I am? Like, like, how do I let them know that I'm Jesus? Like, who do I tell them that I am? And Jesus responded so prolifically. Today, it becomes the cornerstone of many things that we preach in the gospel. He said, tell them that I am who I am. Ha <laughs> ha. Why? Because God transcends capacity. And he cannot be measured by anything, yet he's only measured by himself. So that I am, that I am sent me. Capacity is such a powerful understanding. God has no capacity, but man has capacity. You see, man is measurable. Man can be measured, our, our faith. The Bible says that it's been given unto us a measure of faith, that there are certain things measurably that we can and cannot do. Sometimes people will tell you like, oh, yo, you can, you can be whatever you want to be in life. If anybody ever tells you you can be whatever you want to be in life, you tell them you a lie. You a bold-faced lie. That is called ignorance, and they don't know what they're talking about. You cannot be anything you want to be in life because you have a capacity. The, The capacity that God gives you can only function in a place that God ordains you to function in. This is so good. That means that you cannot just be whatever you want. I'm going to tell you right now, listen, in high school, I thought, I was, you know, I want to make it to the league. Chaz will tell you, me and Chaz went to high school together. I used to ball so hard. Tell them, Chaz. Tell them, I used to ball so hard, man, they couldn't even find me. You know what I'm saying? Ball, ankle, street, leg, you know what I'm saying? Coming up with the corner like, nah, I'm like, yo, I'm going to the league, son. I'm going to the league. Ain't nobody going to stop me. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's going to stop me. I'm out here like, man, like, coach put me in. Like, what you mean, coach? You only give me 25 minutes a game? Like, yo, listen, I can't get my buckets for 25 minutes. God, I'm supposed to be going to the NBA. I'm supposed to be going to the league. I can't go to the league for 20 minutes. Now you got to put me in for 40. At least give me 40 minutes. It took me years to realize, once I got past my pride, that basketball was not the capacity that God called me to function in. Now... It didn't mean I didn't ball so hard. But what it did mean is that there was a place for my assignment. Remember, you have a capacity, but you also have a place that you function in. This is so good. So we understand that man has capacity, but God has no capacity. Man has limitations, but but God is limitless. God transcends capacity. Have you ever heard the analogy, the glass is half full? It's a perfect reference of what capacity looks like, right? Like, I wish I had a glass. Um, <clears throat> wow, okay, woo, let's use this Coke bottle. Now I'm being vulnerable. Uh, y'all know I shouldn't be drinking this, but hey, you know what? We're gonna put ourselves out there because we live in, we definitely living an open life here, right? God bless you. So we have this Coke bottle right here. All right, we're working on the health game. We're getting there. Um, If this was filled up with water, let's call it water, pick a beverage, any beverage, let's do water, right? It's filled up with water, and now the glass, it's actually glass, so I'm winning hard in this analogy, is half full. They say, well, it's all about how you look at it. So if the glass is half full, then that means it's half empty. But but, but then I began to think to myself, but wait a second. The, The glass is not half full because it's also half filled with oxygen. Oh, coming for somebody tonight. So, so if the glass is half full with water and it's half full with, with other particles and atoms and molecules, and actually the glass is, is actually full, then, then what's the perspective? The, the perspective here is that not only is the glass half full, but, but the ga- there's no gaps in the glass. that everything is filled, the glass itself is actually full. This is powerful. Because if we take a look at the second half of this glass, We'll, we'll see that even though the glass is half full with molecules like hydrogen, oxygen, maybe we'll say, well, in that case, what about the gaps between the hydrogen and the oxygen? We see that there's different molecules and atoms and scientists don't really know what the space is between the molecules and atoms around us. They just know that hydrogen exists, that oxygen exists, And that there are different types of ionic and covalent bonds that hold these molecules together to create compounds. But yet they cannot identify what the space is in between the molecules. Mm. What cannot be identified and defined with science and man can be identified with God and theology. God is the filler of all space. And just like in my analogy of this Coke bottle being half full with fluids and half full with something else, God is actually the, the gaps in between everything that creates it and makes it full together. God is literally the gap filler. In First Colossians, uh, I believe it's 1 in verse 17, you can you can check me on this. It also, it goes on to talk about, it says that he um, uh, uh, is before all things and through all things that were made in him that were made consistent. That God is the consistency that holds all things together. So, so God himself in the, even to the anatomical level is the gap filler. That God fills the void of everything that isn't full. Now this, this is so powerful. Because we have to understand that without God holding us together and filling in the gaps, we fall apart. Just like an atom, if it's not hold, held together by a bond, it, it falls. It begins to fall apart. Like in life, if if your life is not held together, it falls apart. Just like you, you're made down to the molecular level. If if God doesn't hold you together, you, you fall apart. That that just like the chair you're sitting on, if it's not held together, it falls apart. There's something that holds it together, which is God. God holds everything together. I'm painting a picture. I need y'all to stay with me. Stay with me. So God Himself is the space filler, He's the gap filler. The Bible says that, that when God created the earth that he created the dust. And where he found a void in the dust, he created man. And and so when he found a void in the earth, he created water. And when there was a void in the water, he created fishes. And when there was a void in the air, he put birds. Anytime there has been a point of space, God has always filled the space. Write this down. God will always fill the space that he has in your life. Now, this is a portion. I'm gonna give you guys a 10 bit because I wasn't gonna say this, but I'm gonna say this. I'm currently writing a book, praise God. And one of the areas in the book that I I give, I give this analogy, and I'm gonna share this analogy with you, right? When it comes on to your relationship with God and you're growing in your faith, perfect example. There are some people who Let's say they haven't showered in a long time, God bless you, for whatever reason, whether you know you have access to a shower and you don't, God bless you, or you don't have access to a shower and you don't. And some of these individuals believe that they can probably take some ax spray, you know what I'm saying, some cologne, and spray this thing over themselves in the hope that it will make them smell better. <laughs> Have you ever stood next to someone who had a dirty smell and they tried to take a good smell and spray it on top of the dirty smell? What happens? They smell 10 times worse. Why is that? Because you cannot put something good over or amongst something that is bad. In the same breath, to clean yourself means to wash yourself and then put what is good in you. Mm. So when God comes into the equation, God says, yo, I don't want to be put into the situation that you're in amongst the sin that you currently live in your life. I I don't want to come into that situation, but what I want to do is I want to replace the situation. So, So our mandate is not to emplace God into our lives, but to replace our lives with the things of God. The reason why this analogy carries weight, because we have to understand that God is the gap filler but God doesn't dwell amongst things in our lives, but he desires to replace certain things in our lives. Capacity is the fundamental unit of measure for whatever God wants to do in our lives. Write that down. Capacity is the fundamental unit of measure to whatever God wants to do in our lives. Watch this. When God created Adam, oh, this is so powerful. The Bible says that he took Adam out of the dust of the Earth well, stay with me now, he took him out of the dust of the earth and he breathed into him the breath of life. Watch this: To have breath means to have breath in your what, your lungs. So God created Adam with lungs. What do lungs hold? air. But watch this: the lungs can only hold a certain level of capacity. Mm. if a lung ever has more air capacity in it. You will have a medical condition that requires you to get some sort of synthesis out of your, you know, tap into your lungs so that you can pull out the air or the water or whatever is in that place that is filling up the place beyond its capacity. If God were to breathe into man more breath than he could handle, man could not exist. We all have capacity. This is powerful. And so God is the space filler. We see that however God moves He moves among space. That would suggest that our goal in life is to create space. Stay with me. I'm coming around, but I have to paint this picture because we need to have a solid understanding on what it means to know what capacity is in reference to who God is in our
1: lives. We're digging tonight. So, so stretch your hands out. Everybody stretch your hands out. Whether or not I can see you
0: on the video or not, stretch your hand out. However far you can reach, that represents the capacity of your ability to do something. Which means that if you can only reach this far, then something has to happen at the end of your capacity that is beyond your ability to create something to happen. Mm, I'm preaching so hard. You're going to see how this comes together. But gravitate to what I'm trying to get you to understand today. Your capacity represents your limitation. And God steps in when your capacity reaches the end of what he created you to do. He said, wow, we taught this before in our miracle series that man lacks the ability, excuse me, that a miracle is when when man lacks the ability to do something that God has already given him the power to do. So that God steps in and performs a miracle. Why? Because the man reaches his capacity. This is powerful. Now we go to the story that we're reading as we painted that synopsis of what capacity looks like. And what is it, why are we talking about that and digging? And so we see in this story, here's a little backstory. We started from verse 13, but I'm going to catch you up to speed on what happened on verse one through verse 12. And I encourage you to read it because most people don't read, you know, the unfamous parts of the Bible, but read this. It turns out that there was three kings. You had Jehoshaphat. I'll be to write this down so you can know the difference because it can be complicated. You have Jehoshaphat. You have Jehoram, and then you have the king of Edom. Mm. There were three kings in this specific context of scripture. Let's go down. This is for education purposes. Jehoshaphat was considered mm, a king or a ruler who desired to do the will of God. He desired to do right by God. He's like, God, listen, man, I want to serve you. I want to do what you want me to do. Father, help me to be a great king in your name. That's who Jehoshaphat was. He was the only king who received the honor and praise and support from Elijah. This is powerful. Jehoram, I'll write this down. Jehoram was a different kind of king. Jehoram, and Jehoshaphat, there was like night and day, like back and front, like yin and yang. No, no, yin and yang. There were literally two different people, completely two different types of kings. And Jehoram was a type of king who he did not desire to do the will of God. He was not out for his father's business. He was in succession of, I believe, nine tyrants or different uh evil rulers of the kingdom he was the ninth person in succession now this is relevant i would also add this point as well that his parents the parents of jehoram was ahab and jezebel oh we're going somewhere tonight we're going i know we're running out of time but i'm i'm gonna try to grab us up because this is this is powerful stuff Was ahab and um and um uh, jezebel now the reason why this is important is because we know, we heard about that Jezebel's spirit. We heard about that. Jehoram is also in the same conversation. We know that Jehoram grew up in a certain type of environment just based on knowing who his parents was. His mama was a, a I was going to say something, but his mama wasn't doing too well in the community. She was well known for a lot of promiscuity, for, for, for catching bodies and, and leading people to a slaughter, leading men to a slaughter. And the the father was also in the same conversation. We, We recognize that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree with Jehoram. Then there was the third king. The third king was the king of Edom. Now, we don't really know this man's name. And it's believed, some theologians believe we don't know his name primarily because he was just a placeholder in the kingdom. He was just there to hold up time and to occupy land or occupy a point or moment in time as king, but we don't have much material on this guy. But what we do know is that these three kings had something in common. They all had the same enemy. Yo, yo, yo. Isn't it interesting, the types of things that can bring people together? Like, 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 like let's be honest, Like when 9-11 hit, you know what I'm saying? People was quick to come together. You know what I'm saying? When, when, when we have different African-American people getting shot, people are quick to come together. When we have different individuals going through uh, different racial barriers, people are quick to come together. When someone passes away, people are quick to raise money. Like, yo, can y'all raise me some money? What I gotta do? I, want, I need some money for school. So if y'all can just raise, come together and it's interesting how people can come together. When they have a common interest. I ain't gonna talk about that today. But people often come together when they have a common interest. Turns out they had these three kings, right? Between these three kings, they all had a common enemy. It was the Moabites. I hope I said that name right. Sometimes it's difficult to say these these words, especially when you're reading in the King James, you get kerfluff on a lot. But the Moabites was the common enemy of these three kings, and so they all decided to come together. And I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, so y'all need to stay with me. They all decided to come together to destroy the common enemy. And what they decided to do was they said, "Hey, we're going to come up with a plan." And a part of this plan is that we're going to take a different route. We're going to go through the south, and we're going to try to flank them. We're going to try to get behind the enemy, get in position to accomplish what it was that we need to accomplish. Somebody put in the comment section tonight, I'm getting in position. Somebody write that down. I'm getting into position. A part of you stepping into the victory that God wants for your life is directly correlated to you getting in position. Wow, this is so good. I'm gonna go back here and I read. I want you guys to see exactly where we are, particularly in scripture. So now we see, let's go to, 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 to verse um, 14. It says, and Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts livid um, before whom I stand, surely I would not have regarded the presence of Jehoshaphat the king. Now, this point is this part of it is relevant because now we see that these three kings are realizing, yo, we don't really know what to do, but we're gonna come up with a game plan to take out our enemy. But, but we have to be smart because we know that this enemy could kill all three of us together. So what should we do? And they decided to go to the prophet Elijah. They said, well, we have a prophet in our camp. Let's go and get counsel from him. And this is where it starts now in verse 13. They come up to him and they say, yo, Elijah, yo, listen, my guy. you know, Jehoshaphat was like, uh, so pretty much we got a situation. We're hoping that, you know, you can give us some guidance and direction. Jehoram was like, yeah, 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 I'm down. You know what I'm saying? Can you help us? The king of Edom was like, please. And Elijah said, now, listen, I wouldn't pay y'all any mind if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat. The way that you live your life, Gives act gives, excuse me, gives others access to the blessings of God. We see that they came to a place, and because of Jehoshaphat and his history, Elijah began to honor their request. So what he did was he began to seek the face of the Lord and he did that in worship. Y'all write this down when things are not going well, seek the face of God in worship. The Bible says that he went and he called for a menstrual, that's a musician. Because, you know, the Bible likes these fancy terms. He called for the keys. He got a little drum cat to do, 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 do the kicker pack. You know what I'm saying? He got the drum. He got the bass play in there. But he called for a specific musician that could play a sound. And as he played a sound, let's read what happened in this scripture. It my Bible. The Bible says, uh, uh, he said, but now bring to me a minstrel." verse 15. It says, and it came to pass when the menstrual played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. When you seek the face of God in worship, God will often speak to you. It says, and he said, thus said the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. I'm going to say it again. Make this valley full of ditches. There's a reason why I took time painting the understanding of capacity. Because we cannot go into this next context of scripture without understanding what capacity is. Because now we're seeing here that God spoke to Elijah and Elijah brought a word to the people. Often God will speak to you when you seek him in in worship. When you seek God's face in private, in prayer, God will speak to you. Not just for you, but for the people around you. All of a sudden, you realize that there are people around you that have a common interest and a common goal and a common issue and a common circumstance, but you decide to seek the face of God. God will speak to you on their behalf. And God spoke to them and said, now make this valley
1: full of ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. Capacity. As I began to read this scripture, God began to give me some insight that I never, I never saw before. The first thing that
0: hit me was, was make this valley. Where did the valley come from? Now, I lived lived in the valley for like six years, y'all. So being in downtown, I'm just like, I know where the valley's at, but where did this valley come from? I didn't hear nothing about, did it say anything about, it didn't say anything about the valley. And so when we understand demographic, I'm going to tell you, the place that they went to, to flank the enemy, was actually in a valley. We've been talking about valleys. We've been spending the last three weeks talking about valleys. And we understand that valleys, metaphorically, can often represent an experience. Mm. And while you're in the experience of a valley, there are many things that can happen in that valley. So Elijah prayed. And he said, God, what should I do? And the Lord responded and said, now make this valley. And last week, we were talking about making it a well and making your situation that isn't good into something that is good, making something out of nothing, making. Why is it that we always have to make when we're in a trench-like experience? Because being in the trenches gives you access to something you couldn't have if you was outside of it. Make this valley full full of ditches. Now, your version might not say that. King James Version says that. Some of your versions might say pools
1: or bodies of water, but these are ditches. And it hit me so hard. It hit me like a ton of bricks, Alex. Rebecca, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Aaliyah, it took me out. But they were in a valley. Watch this. And somehow God told them to dig a ditch. Oh my gosh, y'all need to stay with me here. It was in a valley,
0: but somehow God told him to dig a ditch. <laughs> Hold on, let me laugh. <laughs> this is wild. This is wild because they're already in the hole. <laughs> but somehow God said, you're in a hole, now dig a hole. Listen, God will have you in the position that you're in just because there's something else for you to do. We briefly touched about this last week. They said, okay, you're in the valley and they made it a spring. And a spring is where you find water. You dig, you find water and water comes out. But we don't necessarily know, I'm kind of track forwarding here, where water comes from. Because remember now, these men were thirsty. It says, they made this valley full of ditches. It says, for thus said the Lord, you shall not see wind nor shall you see rain you, yet the valley will be filled with water that you may drink. These men were traveling for days to get to the place just to get in position. Some of y'all been traveling to this place for days just to get in position so that you can get your blessing. You're like, God, I need this. So, so if I got to take a taxi all the way down to Manhattan just to go stand at the door and wait that God, I'm going to get in position. The perfect example I can give so that you can capture this moment before I get into this thought is the DMV. The DMV is the devil. But it wasn't until today God showed me it ain't the devil. The DMV is God. Because when I go out to see like time I get to the DMV, look what happens. There's a long line that gets so frustrated. I said, God, what am I supposed to do? And the Lord convicted me, says you weren't in position. I wasn't in position. What does that mean, God? What do you mean I got to get in position? And I went, I asked this person, who the first person that came I said, man, how did you get, how did you get to the front line? He said, man, I had to get here at
1: five in the morning. Now watch this. It blew me out the water. I said to him, man, I'd never get here at five in the morning
0: just for the DMV that opens at nine o'clock. But you want to know what that man said to me? He said, man, sometimes you just got to get in position. And I felt God just break me down. Sometimes you have to journey yourself to a place where you can get into position. The Bible says that they had to walk for seven days just to get into position. And they ran out of water. Could you imagine? You walk for seven days, y'all got no water, you're thirsty. You're dying of thirst. You're so thirsty it doesn't even... Makes sense. Now we know it was seven days. When you read past verse one to 13, we understand the timeline of how long these men have been traveling just to get in position. And now it begins to make sense because back in those days, the prophet, excuse me, the king never comes to the prophet. The prophet always comes to the king. But somehow these three kings, not one, not two, but three kings felt that they needed this water so bad that they decided to break protocol. Write this down. When you are thirsty for the things of God, you will always break protocol to get it. They decided to go against the grain. And they themselves, instead of sending for the prophet or having the prophet come to them, they went to the prophet. Thirst will cause you to do things that you've never done before. Some of you are so thirsty, you've been waiting for God to bless you. You've been waiting for God to pull you out. You've been waiting for certain experiences to happen. You've been like, Lord, come through for me. God, what are you going to come through for me? God, this is this is rough. And all the Lord is telling you today is get in position. Get in position. Because if you're willing to get in position, then I'm going to show you why capacity is so important. The Bible says now that they got into position. Read from verse 17. It says, for thus said the Lord, you shall not see wind (laughs) you shall not see rain my god yet the valley shall be filled okay that means you're not going to see this blessing coming the water is going to be filled god we need water it said there in the latter portion that there will be water we don't know if the water came up or if the water came down but what we do know is that the water rose out of their situation That they found themselves in the valley of their experiences. They found themselves in the trenches. And it was in the trenches that God gave them a
1: word. And the word was make valleys full of ditches. A valley comes to you like this, but a ditch
0: comes to you like this. A valley comes to you in a trench-like experience, but a ditch is something that you have to dig. Mm. Write this down. If you didn't write it down in the beginning, I have to dig my own ditches. The Bible says that God gave them an instruction to dig. He didn't make the hole for them. Sometimes God will have you in a position just so that he can position you to do what needs to be done. What was the thing that happened? The thing that happened, the miracle, the powerful experience that happened between these men
1: was that God called them to dig in a place that was already a hole. Why? Because if your hole is not big enough, then you have to make it bigger to receive what God wants to do in your life. Watch this. Some of you, your capacity is not big enough for the thing that you're asking for. Some of you are in a valley-like experience that cannot contain the overflow you're seeking God to get out of. And when you actually seek God, his word to you today is this.
0: Your capacity cannot contain what I'm desiring to do in you. So instead of me giving you something that you cannot handle, I'm going to give you assignment to make a larger capacity to receive the blessing that I have for your life. (laughs) Capacity is the cornerstone to receiving the blessing of God. And you cannot receive the blessing of God in the manner he desires to give it to you until he sees that your capacity is fit.
1: Adam could not receive the breath of God until his capacity was fit to receive it. You might be in a position, in a situation in your life right now, or you're in a a trench-like experience. Life is hard, and you don't know what to do. Father, how can I be delivered from the hands of the Moabites? For you, it might be, Lord, how can I get delivered from this life of sin? Lord, I've I've been struggling with with addiction to porn for 10 years. God, like, deliver me. Like, God, I've been struggling with anger for a decade now. Father, Like I don't know. Father, deliver me. Lord, my, my relationships, they keep breaking. I can't seem
0: to hold a job. Father, I've been dealing with insecurities, heartbreak. While I'm going through so much. Father, deliver me. And God's telling you today
1: to dig because there's something that he wants to place in you that your experience cannot handle. The Bible says that as they began to follow the word of God, that God sent water. Water is powerful because water represents the quenching of the thing you were looking for. Some of you are thirsty today. You're thirsty. You're looking for an answer. You've been traveling for so long. You're, You're trying to figure out what to do. The Lord is giving you instructions. He said, number one, get in position. Number two, I need you to dig your ditches. And number three, keep waiting on me. God's timing is perfect. It's so perfect that he knows when not to give you the thing you're asking for. Not just to give you at any point in time the thing you're asking for. Because if your capacity cannot contain the thing you're asking for, the thing you're asking for will actually destroy you. In verse 17, it said, For thus I said the Lord, that you shall not see this blessing coming. You will get that water, both you, your cattle, and all your animals. And this is but a light thing to God. Meaning that this is not even something that
0: you can't say this is difficult for Jesus. God can do anything. And not only will he
1: do this, but he'll do what happened in verse 18. He said, And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver you from the hand of your enemy. Some of you today your enemy might be addictions, your enemy might be something you've been praying for, your enemy might be whatever. But I want you to understand something. There is a God. There is a son and there is a Holy Spirit. Do that all have a common interest as you. They all want to see you win. And a part of this process of you winning is understanding what capacity is and what your capacity is. Father, am I able? Then God, it's time to shift my prayer. Father, help me to enlarge my capacity. I'm going to end on this thought. There's a prayer that I've often prayed when I prayed for people through our social platforms. And I've always prayed the prayer of Jabez. The prayer of Jabez says, Lord, enlarge my territory, expand my coast, place your hand upon me, and keep me from evil. Mm. There was nothing like being in position, because when you are in position and you have capacity, then God will speak to you and give you the word. For many of us here today, we're waiting for a word and we're not in position. We're waiting for direction and we don't have capacity. But God says, I'm doing a new thing in you in this season that yes, you will smite every adversity. You will experience what you're looking for and you will accomplish what you wanted to accomplish. But I need you to get in position. And for you today, position might be prayer. For someone else, it might be worship. But regardless, it is all at the feet of Jesus because it is at the feet of Jesus that you can experience what God is desiring to do in your life. I end on this point. Sometimes it's not about getting out of your valley. But it's about getting deeper in so that God can take you higher out. Remember this point. I always tell you the height of success is found in the depth of humility. Something happens when you dig deeper, when you dig your ditches. Capacity is the fundamental unit of measure for your faith and for your blessing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for. For your word, for speaking to us today. I pray, God, that you gave us the clarity, that you removed the clutter so that we can see clearly. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit was felt in this conversation, that it met with those who needed to meet with him. I pray, God, that everything that was said would not land on ears that could not hand it, but, Father, increase the capacity to hear. For your word says that Faith comes by hearing. Some of us, we need help to hear, Father. So I pray, God, that you would help us to get in position so that we could hear and receive your good word so that it would be planted in us to produce something out of us. Father, help us, God, to be in the correct place. Father, increase our capacity to receive so that then we could walk out the journey that you have before us. We thank you, Father, for quenching our thirst, for filling us up, and for giving us access to eternal life. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. I would like to pray for anybody here tonight who does not have a personal experience or a personal encounter with Jesus where they can say that he is my God, that I've given my life to Christ. I wanna present an opportunity for you today to get to know this God that we speak so passionately about. Um, I wanna pray for you right now. And if that's you, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Father, we thank you for another day. I pray God that you would now come into my life as my Lord and Savior. Father, I believe and I confess that you alone are God. Father, come into my life, change me, restore me, and transform me so that I can become the person that you have called me to be. Father, forgive me of my sins as I forgive those around me. Come into my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Hey family, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it was a blessing to you. If you have any questions, comments, testimonies or prayer requests, we would love to hear from you. Send us a message to the detox movement on all social platforms and be sure to get your official detox brand merch at the detoxbrand.com. And above all things, family, remember that you are loved, you are blessed, you are beautiful. And most importantly, you are detoxified by God's amazing grace. And until next week, family, God bless you.